Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 983. I have some stand updates and uh, <laughs> they're currently not all posted in one location yet. I know it's irresponsible. Especially for someone who's as organized as I am, this is not acceptable at all, uh, this kind of disorganization. So uh, anyway, it's uh, the Brea Improv, the American Comedy Company in San Diego, Helium in Portland, Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Levity Live in Oxnard, uh, Zanies in Nashville, and Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. These dates are through the end of February through June. So if any of those sound familiar to you, like they might be in your area, then go to the uh, respective... Uh, websites and get TX. Um, also, uh, stick around after the podcast for an ending word salad. Ending word salad after this podcast. But now let's talk about you, the ID10T community, who have sent uh, emails to events at ID10T.com so that I might mention the thing you're making, like Matt, who writes, I play in a Philadelphia-based power pop band called Cassettes. We're releasing, uh, or just released, depending on when you read this, our debut LP on January 25th. Ah, it is released! It is released into the world. Wild Heart is our love letter to the FM era, a time when every song could be single, every line could be the chorus, and every guitar solo was an active uh, was an octave higher than the last. Wild Heart is available on all digital and streaming services, and after a successful Kickstarter campaign, can be purchased on limited edition colored vinyl at Cassettes forever.com we hope you love it as much as we do ah cassette you know someday someone's going to explain to me like i get why vinyl had a resurgence i do but it seems like lately there's been a cassette like it like the actual cassette tape resurgence and uh i don't know they warp and degrade i think a lot faster and easier than vinyl am i wrong about that i'm not like an audiophile nerd so maybe i'm wrong about that but the cassette and single craze seemed uh, a little strange to me, but maybe I'm missing something. That has nothing to do with Matt, who is in Cassettes the Band, which never warps and never goes wrong. Um, So uh, congratulations to Matt for keeping the FM era alive. Dan writes, I'm a graduate fine artist uh, currently working two jobs to help support my awesome family and have made the time to venture forth into the world of children's books. I currently have two titles available exclusively on the Amazon Kindle. Um, six-year-old Sydney, the skateboarding boy, featured on, uh, uh, featuring an authorized guest appearance by professional skater Mike V, and Shoes for Bigfoot, 
A really fun tale about Bigfoot's quest for quality footwear. Just search these tiles on Amazon and they should come up. Thanks for your support and hopefully uh, these are my first intrepid steps into an insanely competitive market. Uh, there you go. So uh, Mark and Dan have written to events at ID10T.com. When will you make a thing that will do that? Uh, this episode is Mr. Jim Gaffigan, who is, you know, just one of the best comedians of all time, is all. Uh, this might be his, this might be his fourth time on. Not 100% sure. Jim was on real early in the run of the podcast. Really, really early. Man, in the first, definitely within the first year, maybe in the first six or seven months. And, uh, and it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with him. We recorded this uh, when I was in New York in November a couple months ago. So if any of the references seem dated, you know, uh, we record a lot of podcasts at the same time and uh, some of them are a little more time sensitive than others. Uh, Jim is always touring. So just get his dates at jimgaffigan.com. And I also want to give a shout out to the recording facility that we recorded this at a really great studio uh, in New York called Mirror Tone, Mirror Tone Studios there. Uh, if you're recording a podcast in New York or you need some uh, recording facilities, go to mirrortone.com. Um, I worked with a guy named Roman there who was super nice and it was a really, really great facility and we had a, we had a good time there. So thanks to Jim Gaffigan for coming back on the podcast and thanks to Miratone Studios for providing the recording, uh, facility to facilitate, uh, such an endeavor, such a, such a Gaffigan-esque endeavor. Um, I want to uh, thank for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. Other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. Uh, view easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications uh, for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of ID10T a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at ID10T.com. Robinhood.com. Uh, also sponsoring this episode of the podcast, Squarespace. Uh, head over to squarespace.com slash ID10T for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or, do or domain. Any ID that you have, you can turn into a website, create some digital presence that is not just social media, which is probably crushing you with algorithms <laughs> as we speak. Your work is getting, the stuff you're posting on social media is not being seen by as many people as you hope. But you can just make a place online where people can go and you can showcase all of your work, not just little micro blurbs of it. Uh, you can publish content, sell products or services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business or announce an upcoming event or a special project or even more, the templates are amazing. There's powerful e-commerce functionality. Uh, everything is optimized for mobile right out of the digital box. It's a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions included as well. Uh, analytics are going to help you grow in real time. And there's 24-7 award-winning customer support. So make it. Make your thing. Make it yourself. Make it stand out. Make it. Period. Make it. 
Uh, if you want to start your new business, do all these things. Uh, think it, dream it with Squarespace. Destiny is calling. Will you take the call? Squarespace.com slash ID10T for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Save 10% off your first purchase again using the offer code ID10T. Uh, all right. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast. Here's Jim Gaffigan, episode 983, coming at your face via your ears. Initiating ID10T protocol. Jim Gaffigan walking into recording facility. Jim Gaffigan standing at the table. Oh, there we go. It's uh, the jacket's coming off. This is. Uh, I was like, I was <laughs> tempted to text. I'm like, this isn't a visual one. No, good. Very much not a visual one. I know a lot of people do vis- like they've added a video component to the podcast, but I just feel like. Video creates a whole other layer. Yeah. That is, you know, not everyone really wants to go to a thing and be like, what? I'm going to be on camera? You know? It's better to talk. It's interesting how uh, I'm doing this, playing this benefit for my university, and they're like, and I got Mulaney and Berbiglia to do it, and they, because they went to the same school, and and they're like asking things. They're like, "Hey, can we record it and sell it?" And I'm like, "No," (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) but like, and they would know, right? No, because I think they think that uh, you know, doing a stand up set's just like uh, just like writing a paper. You write, you can just write another one. Like, yeah, that takes a long time. Takes a long time. Yeah, which is the same thing when people like record at shows and they post them like. Oh, I'm helping you. You're like, yeah, but then that bit's going to be out there, and then it's going to be that difficult. it's not new. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's actually, thank you. I know your intention is good, but it's actually not that helpful. It's yeah. It's not that helpful. Has it ever actually helped, though? Have you been in a situation where someone posted a clip, and it, like, blew something up in a way, and you're like, you know what? I'm glad they posted that. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's strange, the, the material, how um, there's an unspoken agreement with people that come to your show, that they get new material. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, there's also uh, a, a certain minority that would probably just want old material, right? Do you know what I mean? Which is, which is why you know I typically do an encore where I'll do some old stuff. Do people call it out, or do you sort of pick? Yeah, which, sometimes yeah. people do call it out. And then are there bits where you're like, do you have to stop and go? Okay, I'll do that again. No, I usually, I'll do like, you know, some, you know, like something kind of like when people come to a show, kind of like the encore is to to clean it up, meaning mm-hmm. like I want everyone leaving there going, that was, because I don't think it's about money. I think it's about time. That was worth my night. Right. And so. To put on pants and go park. Yes. And wait in line. So that's, uh, 
that's what I want people to leave and go, that was worth my Thursday night or that was worth these three hours on Saturday. We have the same manager and Alex yes. and I talk about this all the time just about how like when a comic tries to become an arena comic, he's like, it's real dangerous because the experience of going to an arena yeah. to see a comedian, it might feel good to the comedian to fill an arena, yeah. but wouldn't you rather – like do a show, like just add shows in a in a more manageable venue, so that the experience for the fan is better, rather than being in like section double H. It's it's weird because in some larger venues, some arenas. I mean, yes, that's totally true, but in some larger venues, um, the technology has advanced so much, but people are still watching a screen. Do you know what I mean? Right. So they can see you there, but they're also seeing a screen. And and so there is something. And it's also some of it is the time getting to into an arena as opposed to getting into a theater. Because, like, in a right. theater, you can park across the street. In an arena, you kind of have to. you got to remember what. You have to park in a section. Right. <laughs> you might have to take a shuttle. But then again, you know, like, I also, I, I think that some arena shows, there is a certain energy. And if the technology is right. Like I, you know, I've done Salt Lake City. I've done the basketball arena there. And it's pretty amazing. It's pretty, uh, you know, some of it is the um, the architecture is, it's not perfect for a comedy show, but it's, you know, not to get too nerdy about it, but like a basketball arena versus a hockey arena. Right. Or even Madison Square Garden. They're very different. Like a basketball, you know, that, that one in Utah is designed for the jazz. So it's it's pr- pretty uh, set up for a small kind of uh, intimate feel. Because everyone's aimed at the middle? Yes. Okay. They're all aimed. As a, whereas in a hockey arena or even like indoor soccer, they got to spread it out. Right. And then you have to perform on the ice, which is the other yes. part of it. You just got to stay up on the ice somehow and do jokes the whole time. It's very strange. It's not a bad idea. Has anyone guys. ever done stand-up on ice before? Stand-up on ice. I think Disney <laughs> should look into it. It's absurd that, like, I mean, I went to Frozen on Ice, which doesn't seem that big of a leap. But it's just the on-ice kind of, it works uh, because people just want to see stuff on ice. But why do we want to see stuff on ice? Because then there's a whole other level of difficulty, s- of difficulty involved with it. That it, it's, it's like it's hard enough to dance and do these songs and memorize lines and act them out. Now, the next one would be like... You need on, to defend a, a hockey goal. On ice, <laughs> uh, holding a bunch of bowling balls. Like, it's it's like how, many, how many levels of difficulty do we have to add to things? And there, there is, you know, like, the, uh, there's characters that are, like, in, you know, get-ups. They're like, it's not easy to ice skate when you're dressed like the snowman <laughs> from Frozen. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just, why do we need... Because little kids love it, Right. I just need to see you do a joke about whales and then do a triple axel. Right? So just, I just kind wanna, of like, I just, wanna... just skating around. <laughs> I honestly never thought about it. I guess I hadn't really thought too much about, like, what is our fascination with that? Yeah, but it works because they do it them. It works. It works. And and if you've got young children, they, they dig it. It's basically just cold theater. It's just really cold theater. 
And and by the way, it's in a huge arena. Yeah. So you don't really get to see Elsa. You get to see the dress she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Oh, is Elsa? Oh, oh, I guess Elsa's a person, but then the. But then all the characters are just like big character suits, yeah. But with and there's little also, skates sticking out and of the there's special effects, like you know, like there's you know, like there's this ice castle that they bring out. I can't believe I, you know, this was a million years ago. By the way, the on ice thing feels like if you haven't done a bit about it, it feels like there's a good there's twelve to fifteen there. minutes of Gaffigan magic. To yes, talk there's about. definitely the, there's ice <laughs> as a top. Like ice sculptures are very impractical too. Right? Yes, it's you know insane what the, and 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 temporary. We and know tempor- that they're temporary. There's also like I know you and your wife travel and do kind of a, a you know interesting things. But, like, have you ever stayed at an ice hotel? <laughs> We've talked about staying at an ice hotel. Like, like staying in an igloo. What, what do you need? Why do you need that? Is is that on a bucket list? Is that on anyone's original bucket list? I guess it's just, like, how many, you know, like, yes, we've st- we've stayed in a lot of solid material, like, permanent materials. But we've never stayed in a temporary material uh, right. uh, hotel at the same it's, time. It's, like, uh, what is it? Uh what is the man or whatever smoking man or standing man? What is what it? Are you talking about? In uh, they do it in like oh uh, oh Burning Man, Burning Man, <laughs> Standing Man. <laughs> what is it? Standing Man. When you get really man. When, yeah yeah just yeah it's you like, just you just stand around. I am my father. Is it Standing Man? Those hippies <laughs> no, Dad, go to. It's Burning Man. God. But that's all temporary, right? You go there and they just build something. Yeah, it's like they, how they bored are rich people? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, can we do something where it's like in the desert and like there's a huge thing that looks like. And it's... you know, the desert's just super annoyed. It's like, how uninviting do I need to be? Like, what more keep off the lawn sign did you need than that there's not a lawn? Like, right. stay the fuck out of me. And they're like, no. right. We're gonna we're gonna build a fucking transformer made out of uh, bamboo and yes. roll it across your floor. And I think they do it right. Where like they don't like there's nothing. Uh, they they leave the area of land the way they found it. Yeah, you know what I mean, like they're that rich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm they're, thinking about, I'm so like they're rich people with. Uh, you know, a social conscience. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're they are they are trampling on the environment, but also leaving it the way that they found it. It's interesting that whole artistic exploration of Burning Man because I, you know, it's easy for us to sit there and go, "It's absurd," right? But there's also something admirable about people seeking. Uh, creative and spiritual fulfillment, but there is at the same time. I sit there and go, you know, most of my hometown they couldn't afford to go to Burning. Like, like there's not like, well, should I go and see a movie and go to Godfather's Pizza or go to Burning Man? Like, <laughs> for, there's no for a week. There's no, and it's funny because it, apparently it is a transformative experience. If you yes. go, it's very communal and it's you yes. know it's very you know, but but then at the same time, like. I don't know. Like I'm 46. I want to shit in a toilet. You know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. I just I, I don't know. So I, I I guess I haven't. But you had me thinking. I was thinking about the ice sculpture thing, and it never. I never thought about this. Were there great ice sculpturists that people just don't remember because all their work melted? It's just like one guy who's like, oh, Michael, you know, Michelangelo's not so great. You yeah, know? no, like there was no photographs, right? <laughs> there was. It's just. How do you even? 
I mean, I guess it's kind of like pumpkin carving, right? There, there's a whole subset of creative people that do temporary designs. Like, it's the same people that do the butter sculptures at state fairs, I That's guess. That's right. Well, right? now we have Instagram, so now those things can actually... Now those things can live for yeah. an hour. They're not- <laughs> as we swipe by them and go, huh, okay. Well, the, the pro- okay, at huh. least with ice sculptures, like... There aren't people elbowing out of the way to scoop it out like in a butter sculpture where people – it's like the second you set it down, people are not appreciating it at all. They're just like shoveling butter into their mouth. I love butter. (laughs) What a beautiful thing. How's your cholesterol? I don't know. It's not good. You never check. No, it's I, – um, I went to the doctor, I don't know, a year ago, and she's brilliant, and she she actually cares. It's weird to, like, deal with someone who actually cares. Yeah. And um, and so my cholesterol is not great. I mean, you're looking at me like, how's your cholesterol? Because I look like I have bad cholesterol. I have high cholesterol. You do? I do. So well, some, of that's, gonna, some of that's genetic. Because you yes. eat healthy. You don't eat meat, do you? I do eat meat, yeah. But you I'm do. not. But my diet's not terrible. But I think it's either stress-related or... or oh, yeah. I, I'm asking because I'm just trying to figure out, like, what are other people do? I just don't want to have to go on the, the pills, the statins oh, that you yeah. have to take to lower cholesterol. So I'm just trying to find... You know, I also... I, I don't... You know, maybe... Maybe I should go on that stuff. But some of it is... I don't know. That's the kind of uh, piece of enjoyment. Like when I tour doing shows, it's like I reward myself to going to a steakhouse or whatever's open at that time. And I have the meal, which is not ideal. Now, I don't sit there and have the the worst of the worst, but it's not – you know, you go out to dinner and you're eating a stick of butter. Yes. You, you just know that. You're yes. like, why is this so much better? It's because they make it with primarily butter and salt. Because we like those things taste good to us. Yeah. But if we were home, we wouldn't do that. No, but I do I, – I question, though, why, uh, why onions get added to everything – like, are you an onion person? I, like kinda, onion? I like onions. Onions really upset my stomach. Really? And so when you read a menu and it says like, oh, okay, yeah, this uh, this sandwich has, you know, lettuce and tomato yeah. and cheese and you get it. And there's a bunch of onions. You're like, this was not part of the agreement. Not mentioned. Why, like, why are we so fascinated with onions as a culture? I, you know, it's, I think it's just a flavor. It's a flavor bang. It's a flavor bank. I don't want to be But I don't banged. like I don't like the the uh sauteed onions. That's just like it feels like you're eating strings of flesh. Yeah. It's like yeah. Who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Who, but like don't don't make butter something that it's not. I mean, don't no. make onions something that it isn't. No, it's not. It's not. I also you know, it's weird cuz I think I mean, I do enjoy eating and like you know, my family and I we I did shows in Australia. And we did some shows, and then we were at, like, this place near the Great Barrier Reef, and they had this amazing – it was a culinary experience. Mm -hmm. And it just – it was kind of wasted on me. You know what I mean? I'm like, in the end, I just want food that tastes – I'm not bored with good-tasting food. People are like, you know what? What if we add some hair in there? The the culinary (laughs) thing – sometimes I feel like – People make food more complicated than it needs to be. Like right. we're staying in a really, like a nice hotel, and we came home from this event that we went to the other night, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know why. I just have a, cr- I just want some vanilla ice cream." Yeah. At what hotel does not have vanilla ice cream? Right. No, they had like pine nut. 
yeah. pomegranate something or other. Like, yeah. don't you don't have to swing for the fences on everyone. Just have one. No, there's an ice cream store uh, near where I live that I brought my children to, and they didn't have anything close to normal ice cream. It was like you know, um, hot sauce ice cream. You know, like. Rhubarb uh, waffle yeah, cake. R- rhubarb, uh. you know, like coleslaw flavored ice cream. You don't need that. I understand some people are like, if you're eating ice cream that much or you're smoking that much weed, <laughs> you're like, you know, maybe maybe some coleslaw ice cream. But, you know, I talk about this stuff, you know, in these CBS Sunday commentaries and people just freak out. Like, I'll just have this simple kind of mundane commentary on horse racing or on um on craft beer and i you know it's kind of humorous it's you know like i write them in an hour right and i'll post it and it's just me kind of like i like beer that tastes like beer and just my my twitter and instagram feed and facebook just filled with just this outrage how dare you endanger our livelihood and i'm like oh wow yeah no, it's like uh, like, like you woke up and you're like you know who I'm going to take down today the craft beer guys. Yeah, I always kind of have this uh, this feeling that like if you're offended by my comedy, you've got other <laughs> issues. <laughs> Do you know what I mean that's not to say that I haven't I don't look back on some material with some regret, but I'm not. You know, I I, I try and steer away from us and them. Right. You know what I mean. And we live in such an us and them era that I'm even more sensitive of that. I know, but but that's that's sort of that's the magic of your that's the magic of your comedy. There's this really rare animal that can perform in pretty much any kind of room. You, I've seen you do alternative rooms, you know, yeah. with thirty people, and you can do arenas, you can do big theaters, you can do football stadiums, and you know the quality of your jokes too, and you're clean and. It's funny as shit. And Nikki Glazer was here before, and we were talking about how you're one of the you're someone who just explores every angle of a topic. Oh, and yeah. and that's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. But it's also it's not offensive. It's like it's edgy. It's it's edgy in the sense that it's not offensive to anyone. Which and right. it's still really funny. Oh well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, it's 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 weird because I mean, I definitely had. Uh, I remember I did. I this you know I've been doing stand up thirty years and I remember there was like back when you'd like have VHSs of something I gave it to a friend who I knew kind of through uh, another friend and um, and he goes he, and I had all this material on models and he goes I don't know what to tell you it's mean you're mean to models and I was like but they're models and he goes you're being mean to them and and that kind of stayed with me I'm like yeah you know what it's like. It's an easy target, right. and believe me, I do hate good-looking people. But no, but it's an easy target. They are models. You right. know what I mean? It's just bringing dark instead of light. But you know, that's what's so funny go. is that you is it you? So you you pick a lot of inanimate objects, yes. or animals, or things, yes. and still people find a way to get mad at they them. They get furious. <laughs> they get furious. <laughs> this beer commentary was so. So, I mean, I literally – I was working on a, uh, a movie in Knoxville. You're from Tennessee, right? I'm from Tennessee. And, um, and so, like, I went out with uh, uh, everyone from the movie. It was like a small indie where we're literally – no one's getting paid. So we're sitting at a bar, and it was a cool bar in Knoxville. And uh, they were like, uh, what kind of beer do you want? 
And I was like, all right, maybe I'll have one, but uh, just something simple like a yingling or something like that. And they're like, we don't have yingling. They, you know, it's it's a cool bar. So yeah. they're like, we have – and I remember them. They're like, it has kind of like a beer with a Jolly Rancher kick to it. And I remember thinking, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like if I'm going to have one beer this week, it's not going to have it's a Jolly Rancher. candy beer. And so like uh, we were kind of – I was talking with the crew and we were laughing about it. And then it just prompted this essay and just, you know, beer manufacturers of, of America – Paste magazine, because there is, you know, people, we live in an age of outrage, and it's so interesting to see people, like, I don't begrudge, or I'm not surprised by somebody who's like, you know, who's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, just sitting there and kind of looking for a fight, but I'm talking about, like, logical, uh, sensible people that are uh that are caught up in unnecessary anger i'm not saying we look i'm far from perfect i get angry about shit that's not important but like there was an article in paste magazine about your craft beer thing about my craft beer thing (laughs) and i was sitting there going are you guys have you lost your mind (laughs) (laughs) well also well because part of it is they you know the things that people are into and now they they attach to their identity. They just like they yeah. open up the compartment for their core belief system or their ego, yeah. and they just insert that thing and then close and then weld the door shut. And so any attack on that thing is like they take like how the fuck? Why is he trying to murder me? And it's like yeah. and it's the same kind of reaction that I would imagine when early humans were out in the savanna and someone tried to knock something out of your hand and steal yep. your stuff. Yeah, you know it's like a survival thing. But we don't live that way anymore. It's okay to sort of laugh and go ah, you know, like it's not. You don't have to like that's your commentary on craft beer isn't a personal attack on someone's no, livelihood. It's not just at like all. A, oh, I'm an outsider to this and this is my sort of silly take on it. And I also like make a point in uh you know, in my stand up or anything I write of, you know, I never punch down. So it's like I'm usually punching at myself. I'm usually saying I know nothing about this. You punch at yourself way more than anyone else ever could. Yeah. So it's like it's, you know, there's something very strange about the the stand-up experience and how it's, you know, the, it's really a conversation with an audience. It is a conversation with an audience. It's a relationship with an audience. You're forming a relationship with an audience each time. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, especially – What's not being taken into account in craft beer gate yes. is that, you know, part of your stand-up persona is look how unsophisticated I am. Yes. And so part, yes. so the other side of that is like maybe I don't get craft beers because I don't – I'm not sophisticated and I don't have a sophisticated which is, palate. Which is similar to fine dining. Right. You know, it, it, the reality is is like I feel insecure <laughs> that I'm – in the end would prefer a steak or a burger. Right. I wish that I – wanted some, you know, grass seed, you know, something or other. I'm I, I'm questioning it, you know. I mean, we also live in an age where I think 
the consumption of beef is being looked at. You know, like in the future, my children, half of them will undoubtedly veg- be vegetarians. Right. I just think it's just a, a sense of logic. I think you need to double down on the craft beer thing. I, need to, I think <laughs> no. next week you need to go on but, and just guns a-blazing. But, pick, well, pick I did battle. that. I already did that because I had a tooth fairy thing. <laughs> Believe it or not, it sounds even... I did a tooth fairy commentary and then I went back on the week later because there was such outrage. But, you know, that being said, all of this, I do like, I love having friends with different opinions. It's also scary because I think that in this tribalism, but like, I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with them on things, but I think it's important that you have that friend Yes. That has the, you know, like we don't seek orthodoxy in all our beliefs. And we we shouldn't just live in an echo chamber. Right. That's because that's basically a call that you're living in a cul-de-sac. Right. And it's good, like learning to communicate with people who think different things, uh, a lot, uh, like j- just sort of makes you a little more flexible for the world and understand how to be in a community. But, but, but again, I think the internet, not just social media, but the internet is conditioned us because of, you know, um, Amazon algorithms or iTunes algorithms or whatever that you're only going to, that it's like you either 0% like something or a hundred percent like it. And anything in between is like your fucking enemy. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's okay to, you know, like you don't have to a hundred percent love everything. I mean, I just think, you know, my, it's like our, when our parents were growing up, there were de- there was definitely tribalism, but it did seem like people could have conversations without immediately like, fuck you, you fucking yeah. piece of sh- you fucking piece of shit. You know, it's like, we're yeah. in fuck you, you fucking piece of shit territory. And it's like, hey, you know, what if people had conversations and listened yeah. and they don't have to agree, but they also don't have to dehumanize each other. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> sure. Let me ask you this. Because this is something that I think is really interesting. Okay. The notion of, um, I think what Billy Eichner did for the midterms, very important. It was uh, Jim just uh, unbuttoning his pants. That was, <laughs> that was me taking off my pants. Uh, the that was that was my my head gets fatter as we talk, so I don't loosen it. <laughs> um, but I think you know, as somebody, you know, I wonder about like inserting ourselves, like you know, like I did a joke on Twitter uh, the day before the election where I said, "I wish somebody would tell me to vote," you know, because obviously everyone's, <laughs> everyone's Twitter feed yeah. was all about voting. Yeah, and the thing is, is like. Uh, you know, it was funny, but it was like, obviously, it's important for people to vote. But I feel like my responsibility is to not just tell people to vote, but to indirectly kind of serve as a creative, um, you know, antidote to like well, the you're using the tools that you have. Right. Like to sort of like that as a comic. Sometimes comics say the opposite of what they believe. But but sometimes the opposite is more instructive. I know you voted to try to keep craft beers out of America. I did. I, did. Uh, I voted against craft beers. <laughs> you just wrote it in. On I the did ballot. get sent so many free beer. <laughs> did you really? I got sent so much free beer. Well, you haven't had uh, butterfly wing yeah, see, that's ale. The thing. And and uh, it's you know it's all good. But but that's also because you've been doing comedy long enough that. For the majority of your career, 
that like it just stayed in the venue that you were in yes and now yeah. you know like now answering to the to the larger population we're oh, like yeah. oh my gosh i you know no, no i don't really hate craft beers i don't really yeah. you know it's like having to do that is is a an, sort of another part of the job it's interesting and and there is something also about and it's important that people have opinions and that they express them but it is also realizing that those negative opinions uh and i'm also not used to getting negative opinions because everyone <laughs> likes me because i'm nice i'm a good guy i help puppies no but like and i go on stage to make strangers laugh because i'm wildly insecure no but like i you know realizing that some of those negative client uh comments are uh you know they they should be instructed but they should also be put in the context of the whole group. Do you know and, what I mean? And also, you also just to take the just to sort of look at it from another point of view, just from the compassionate side, the people who are screaming, like you don't know what they're going through either. Like, no, you don't know. That's true. Like, did something terrible happen in their family or their lives? Was like did did craft beer save them from a life yeah. of crime yeah. or whatever? And so. I think it's just being able to take a step back and everyone just acknowledging, like, "Hey, I'm not, yeah, I'm and not, people, I'm not trying to harsh your world, and you know, yeah. you don't have to." You and know. people, people, you know, are you know, people being in a moment, having a moment of anger or outrage. There might be other factors. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't know. And why? Yeah. Why has someone not made Jim Gaffigan beyond the pale ale? I don't know. Oh, somebody asked. Okay, somebody asked. Well, is it, there somebody you go. Asked. And it's, it's very good. I'm sure. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm gonna like it. It is interesting. I don't know. We figured it all out. Chris. That's all we are here to do is just it's figure just out this figure whole. It out. We figured out the internet. We figured out craft beer. Uh, uh, how many kids do you have now? Are you having more kids? Is I that, have is that five stopped? kids. Well, you know. I'm sure, you know, my wife would love to have more kids, and I'd be open to it. But it's like she did almost die of a brain tumor. How's she so doing? She's doing great. She's doing great. I mean, you know, it's like she's at 80%, which is a normal human's 130%. So she's doing great. But, like, you know, um, the whole thing of, like, kids, I think she would, you know. But I'm like, you almost left me with five. You almost met, you know, left this disaster of a human <laughs> <laughs> with five children to ruin. <laughs> can, can we think this through? Um, but I don't know, you know, because I'm also, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a hundred. But, you know, I, you know, I'm feeling it. You know what I mean? I mean, I love the age I am, but it's like. I, uh, you know, it's like I don't have the energy that I used to have. Like, you know, when I see, like, Alec Baldwin has, like, four kids and he's, like, 60, I'm like, that's insane. And getting in street fights. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. Here's my commentary on the the street fight thing is that when I moved to New York 30 years ago, you would you would rarely walk down the street and not see someone crying Someone yelling at someone or someone just cursing and muttering to themselves. Right. And not, I'm not talking about uh, homeless, mentally ill people. There is, you know, like, 
So I'm not excusing his behavior. But in New York City, there used to be, and by the way, along with our, our topic, we don't, I mean, I can't believe I'm defending him punching someone. I don't even know what happened. But but the thing is, is like, imagine what Alec Baldwin encounters from people on the other side. Like, first of all, he is, uh, you know, a type A guy, which I'm not. And I don't think you are either. But like he's also encountering people like if you're if you are a Trump guy and you dislike anyone who dislikes Trump, you're going to dislike Alec Baldwin first and foremost. And so we don't know what the exchange. I'm not justifying the behavior, but it's just I just bring that up that like 30 years ago, that was nothing. We didn't live in a social media age. Right, right, right. And also he is. You know, it's so, you know, he he was always a loose cannon. And but like there is kind of like and I guess I'm kind of like this moody, curmudgeonly guy. And I just I'm like, can people I'm not talking about physical violence, but can people sometimes people can be angry, can't they? Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and people can have disagreements. And, you know, obviously he shouldn't have punched him if he even did. But like there's. Arguments, you know what I mean? I just, you know, that happens. It's weird, like, even looking at Twitter, where I get most of my news, it's like we can identify the articles or the topics that are silly. And, like, I remember there was this thing on Twitter about um, Ariana Grande's high ponytail (laughs) and Camilla Cabello having a high ponytail. I swear to God. The, the issue was the pain that it caused them mm-hmm. having a high ponytail. Look, I don't even have hair up there, so it's like I, you know, <laughs> and I'm not dismissing the fact that like these these singers <laughs> might experience sure. pain with, but like I look at that and I go, oh, that is for people that are fans of those singers, right? But like some of the other stuff, it's I don't think it's a malicious thing. I think that. Like, I don't think that, like, it's like, here, let's get upset about this. I don't think it's malicious, but I do think that it is, you will have an emotional react. Like, it's we're, we're addicted pers- to emotion. You emotions. know that a certain percentage of people will react to the high ponytail story the same way that other people would react to a human rights violation issue. Right. They're like, you know, I'm not sure. And that's a, everything has the same level of fever pitch. Wow. But not everything, yeah. you know, like, but there is nuance in things and maybe that's not, but you know, whatever, if you want to get upset about the high ponytail, then by all means get upset or, about the high Or ponytail. you want to express uh, empathy for your favorite singer. Right. Or you have a high ponytail <laughs> or, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, but does all this, but I'm so curious if didn't. Is it constructive? Well, and, and having gone through what you and Jeannie went through. Did you come out of that and go, God, I just don't know if any of this shit matters, you know? Like, when you're faced with one of the most serious yeah, medical situations. it really doesn't matter. Situations, does, any, you know, does, does people getting upset about craft beer or high ponytail, like, yeah, so what? Like, my wife almost died. Like, yeah. none of this matters. Well, there's, I think that it's a sliding thing where there's, intellectually, you can understand that, obviously, it's unimportant. But if you're tired, if you're exhausted, <laughs> don't do you know read I mean? it right before bed. It's so do you know what I mean? Time. If you're, you know, like if you've just dealt with uh, 
moments of humiliation in the entertainment industry. Like people don't realize there's these behind the scenes slights that occur that can kind of destroy, you know, you, you get calluses, but like, you know, that can kind of destabilize you emotionally. So then you get hit by something and it's intellectually stupid, but emotionally you're like, Fuck you! <laughs> Do you remember what the first dumb thing you got upset about was after everything happened? Was it? Was it? Were you like, you know what? My life is different now. I have this whole new perspective. And you're like, oh god, god damn it! Who put mayonnaise? No, yeah, it's it's so silly. I I don't know what it was, but it's like, look, yeah, it's also you know not to get. I mean, I'm always like, if I'm not in touch with gratitude. Or, like, being humble that there is, you know, that I'm not, if I'm not intellectually in touch with the idea that I'm not in charge of anything, Mm -hmm. then I get angry. Right. I'm like, but I should control the traffic. (laughs) I have to go and do a podcast with Chris Hardwick. Don't these people know? Do you know what I mean? It's like, how dare them deliver fresh direct now? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's just like. Well, there's, this is down to, they put this down to three lanes instead of four because they had to put an inflatable rat in front of this building. (laughs) Yes. That that pissed someone off. (laughs) Right. And so, uh. It is, you know, it's like what I'm getting to is I should probably meditate. That's what I probably Meditation's should do. Meditation's great. I do it. It's great. But did, did have you did you talk publicly about any of the the medical stuff? Have you talked? Oh yeah, no. I did, uh, you know, this special Beyond the Pale, uh Beyond the Pale. That was the first special. <laughs> it's like I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh it's like no, Noble Ape. It's it's pretty much everywhere yeah. you can rent or buy. But like it's they're having a screening on Comedy Central at some point. Um, but it was like uh, that would that whole special dealt with probably like twenty minutes of it was about this uh, experience that my wife and I went through, which was it's interesting because you get these assignments as a comedian. You know, you, we talk about our lives and all this, and so. Uh, the the brain tumor. It's like I spent a couple of weeks in a hospital. So you just you're you kind of live in this world, and you're like, all right, well, this is weird. So from our point of view, even the lighting in hospitals, you're like, sorry, right, I'm going to write some jokes on writing. You know, obviously, when I knew my wife was going to survive. Yeah, but it's also that's what you guys do together. Yes, and that's normal for you. Yes. and it's important. It's in those moments of stress and tragedy and trauma to, to try to find things that ground you and that's that's part of your normal tr- yeah. routine. I think people uh you know that's the kind of I think people don't realize that comedians are um it's fun to perform and it's fun to come up with material like a new joke people are like oh thank you for doing this benefit show you're like i would have done the show anyway <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it's like it's like you know what i mean i'm getting a lot out of it but like it's also cathartic and it was fun to tour around with the noble eight material and see how i think human beings we all deal with these medical crises whether it's with a parent or a sibling or a loved one and we can't live in that drama constantly, but it, 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 the remnants of the memories live with us. So when I'm talking about mine, they're like, that's right. I spent two weeks in a hospital. And I think that's really yeah. good for people in the sense that it's it's healing for them. Yes. Because, you know, when I, when I talked about my dad dying, I would have people afterwards that go, hey, I'm in Dead Dad Club too. And it made me feel better just to hear someone say yes. it out, talk about it out loud because – 
most, you know, they're, they're not, these are not things that were, they don't teach you really how to deal with this stuff in school. No one sets you aside and goes, no. okay, you're going to experience tragedy in your life and weird things. And here's how you deal with that. And so for someone to be able to spin it in a way that has some humor behind it, you know, even if it yeah. gets a little dark is cathartic. It's cathartic for them yeah. because they go, oh my God, I'm not alone. I've yeah. had weird thoughts. I This was strange for me. Yeah. It's again, it goes back to the communal idea, you know? Yes, yes. And, you know, that was one of the things when Jeannie discovered some of this stuff. Obviously, me, I also did it. But it's like you immediately go to the internet, brain tumor, who's had that, you know, and you're looking for people surviving. And so you're looking for someone talking about, you know, like anesthesia. You're looking for these things so that it feels communal. Yeah. So that you're not like this first time explorer. Because by the way, usually when the game's over, there's no examples of it working. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's like that that communal kind of experience. But it is it is fascinating because I'm glad we're talking about it because I feel as though um, you know, you can lose touch with things that you should have gratitude for. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, you know, I'm a very, uh, I love working and I love uh, creating stand-up and acting and stuff like that. But big picture stuff, you know, in the end, when you're, you know, about to kick it, who's at that bed with you? Right. Do you know what I mean? Those are the only people. There's not going to be someone from Entertainment Tonight going, da-da-da-da-da. You did six specials. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you know what? It's so interesting that you're saying that because I went to a funeral a few weeks back of uh, an actor who was a, um, uh, a pal of mine and, and, and a great guy. And he, and he, you know, he was 76. And... Uh, uh, it was a it was Scott Wilson who was yeah. on, he was on Walking Dead yeah. and, and just has this amazing career. Yeah, and you know there was um, at the sort of celebration of his life, they showed a bunch of his clips, and you, and you just you go, oh my god, he was such an amazing actor. And yes, that is part of the legacy of what someone leaves behind. Yeah, but just to have this really human moment of seeing all these wonderful people speaking. You know, like there were tears and there were laughs and there was happiness and how much he had affected these people's lives and 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 what great people they were. Yeah. And it's like that's that's the sort of you know like his legacy besides his work. The more important one is how positively he touched all these people's lives and how there's just like this emotional genetics that is passed down. Like he passed goodness on to them yep. and to honor him, they will in turn pass that goodness. You go, that is what a person's life is. It's like, yeah. and he, you know, and in that he, to some degree will remain, you know, like he, he lives on. And that, those are the kind of things that I think I didn't understand in my twenties. And if you're in your twenties and you understand that now you're far greater than what I was, what I was like. But just sort of appreciating and understanding that now and going, oh, my God, it really is about your contribution to the world yeah. and, and not having everything be about you and the people that you're around and designing the, you know, the type of life that you should. It's aftertaste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, of course, it's always about food with me. But it is. And, and by the way, I always, uh, you know, I talk and some of this is just sheer luck but uh, you know two comedians talking about this is that when people talk about comedy it's not just about the joke 
and about the laughter. It's about the aftertaste. We all have those friends that are really funny, really bitchy, really cutting, you know, like just so funny. But afterwards, there might be a fatigue, kind of like you might feel uneasy. You might feel like, oh, you know, uh, and and some of that's what I mean by aftertaste. Like, does that hold up? And that's how like people's, you know, personalities hold up. And you see it in in all walks of life. It's like, um, like Abraham Lincoln, his aftertaste is incredible. You know, it's like, and he was imperfect, but some of it is, you know, uh, but, you know, like as a comedian, it's just kind of like, does your comedy on hindsight, you know, even the the beer people, are they going to look back and go, all right, you know, he was joking. Right. Or are they going to look back and go, no, you know what? He just was being a dick. <laughs> right. Do you right, know what right, I mean? Right. And so it's like, it, it ties back to that. You know, it, you know, that whole, um, uh, you know, uh, that quote, you know, it's people won't remember what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I and and being aware of that, I think, is important because we do make choices. We make, you know, every day we make choices. We make choices that we're not aware of. And so. You know, if 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 all of a sudden tomorrow every it was all over or the world blew up or whatever, I mean, yeah. could you say? I mean, I would live. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> could you say? Could you say that you know you made choices that you were proud of or made or that or that what you yeah. what you were leaving behind is something that and not just like I don't mean materially what you're leaving behind, yeah. but sort of philosophically and spiritually what you're leaving behind is that. Would you be satisfied with that? Probably not. Probably not. Probably well, especially, not. <laughs> especially for performers <laughs> who spend a lot of time basically just feeding our own yeah. our own egos. But uh, but but I do think that you know I, I comedy really is it does have that, and I think that and I and I always say like you know why don't great comedy films get nominated for like a really yeah. good comedy is very hard to do to make people to laugh but still make people feel accepted and a part of something and and feel emotions you know yeah i mean i haven't seen groundhog day in a long time i watch it every year but it is one of those why does that hold up i mean harold ramus right it's like but there was it's you know the aftertaste you look back at some i mean i just talk about this all the time with ted alexander who opens and we tore around. But, like, you look at some stuff that was funny 20 years ago, and it's not funny now. No. And sometimes it might not be funny because the cultural shift uh, shifted, but it might not be funny because it's just mean. Right. Well, you know I mean? yeah. And, and it's the, 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 there's meanness when you look back because when you, when you think about, like, in your life, little kids – are pretty mean. Little kids can be pretty mean. Oh, yeah. And when you start to get older, you go, oh, okay, well, it's bad to do that. So you have to evolve and you have to learn and you have to grow. And when you look back at er earlier comedy or older comedy, it's like, oh, we were more infant then. And now we know, we understand humanity a lot better. You know, that is the good part about social media is that it is is shown a light on humanity and sections of humanity that that didn't have the opportunity to be elevated before. But so some comedy is either mean or it's two of the moment. But Groundhog Day is one of those films where 
it's just such a human story yeah. and it's the jokes are timeless and the performances are flawless and it is it's about it's you know in any good movie a character is going to go through a change and yeah. the journey for how that happens with him and i've been to i've been to all these nerd sites to figure out like yeah. cuz they calculate like people have calculated how long he was in the loop and some people say like 10,000 days some people say 10,000 years but when you think about, you know, it's like how much leverage does a person need against themselves to really change and become a better person? There's a great – there's an, a really great message to extrapolate from that. Yeah. And hopefully we don't have to go through horrible things like losing someone or someone having a brain tumor or or, yeah. or a terrible thing to just go, hey, maybe we should just appreciate the world as it is, like, pe- appreciate people and, you know, be cool and contribute and all that stuff. Yeah. What do you, are you performing, are you one of those comedians that has to perform every night or you don't feel human, right? I, uh, you know, yeah, some, uh, and I also, um, I'm on this, I, I, I need to be producing because I think because of my wife's uh, sickness that there is a clock, you know, that, you know, my brother had a stroke and I'm just kind of like, there's a clock where I'm not going to be able to do this, you know? So like when my wife was sick and she had pneumonia after the surgery, I was like, okay, looks like I'm retiring. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was not like some grand dramatic melodramatic statement it was just a practical thing i'm not going to be touring doing stand-up when i have five young children at home and and you know before that uh seeing my brother who had a stroke who's a very funny guy who just moves a little slower Mm -hmm. um it's just like oh yeah you know like it's this is uh a fragile time like you know seeing those kind of situations made me realize if you want to do it you know it made me have a greater appreciation for doing it but like and again in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter but i am uh in the end this workhorse of like i love you know coming up with a new joke it's not a lot better than that you know i mean maybe a cheeseburger but you know (laughs) writing a joke about a cheeseburger but you know what i mean so it's it's, you know, you, you go through these different levels of creative fulfillment, but in the end, you're just doing it, you know, it feels good. Well, what about Jeannie? What did she, like, how, how is she, you said she's 80%, but how yeah. is she doing? And what did yeah. she, extra, you know, like, to, to the best of your knowledge, to your understanding, yeah. what did she extrapolate from the whole thing? And, you well, know, is she writing with you still? She's, you know, we're doing some writing, but, like, she, you know, she's writing a book about uh the experience and she, but she definitely had this bargain with god kind of like get me through like i want to raise my children and then also so you know like she uh i've read the proposal for her book it's amazing and um but it's very much kind of like my children will not be douchebags <laughs> as corny as that sounds and so she's starting this youth group thing, you know, that uh, is pretty incredible. You know, like she's, you know, she doesn't have time to do any of this stuff. Right. So it's it's pretty um, uh, amazing how these, uh, you know, it's like she's at 80% of what she was and she's doing more. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? And so... That's pretty inspiring. It's pretty inspiring. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. But it's like also, um, you know, it's like as a partner, I'm kind of trying to sit there and go, we got to go to bed now. Right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have to write a book tonight. Yes. You know, it's it's just... And we're not, we're not the type of people to outsource it. She's not interested in just talking into a... Right. Talking to somebody to ghostwrite it. So. Right. And the kids are doing well? They're doing well. They're doing well. It's chaos, right? What are the, what's the age range between? Right now, 6 to 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that is a turbulent. That, yeah. That, like, that's, that, wow. Wow. It's crazy. And so, uh, you know, as a family, you, you uh, sit there and you see, like, I never thought that, uh, I didn't expect this would be, that we would be this family. But we are the family that travels. So, you know, I construct around school breaks, doing shows somewhere. Or, like, or, you know, at Thanksgiving, I'm doing a show in Athens, Greece. You know, it's just like, instead of having a summer house or having... We have a summer tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> but it's usually interesting places, whether it be Australia or That's New cool. Zealand. So, hopefully that works. Because I think Americans, we have to kind of, like go other places to realize who we are. It's important. It's important yeah. to not just read about places if you can yeah. go places and see other cultures. But again, that's the idea of of getting out and um, an immersion and understanding and seeing like that that's nece- that's necessary to evolve yes. so that we don't get um lulled into that shitty like us and them kind of thing. Yeah. It's like we're all us, you know? It's yeah. like uh, uh, th- them is sort of uh, then might be another planet that comes to to, to basically just <laughs> right. squeeze our planet like a sponge for all of its resources. But yeah. well, we should we should we should be in us. I mean, I feel like there's all this never ending trickle of like they they found water on Mars, uh, and then they're like, you know what? The the soil on Mars they could grow things. It's like we're eventually going to find. It. We found these aliens living under the ground. <laughs> you know, it's just this trickle of kind they were of there like, the whole time. Do you know what I mean? It's just like we just couldn't see them. You know what's going to happen? Uh, burning Man on Mars. <laughs> burning Man on Mars, <laughs> right? right? There's a, I mean, literal Burning Man when you jump out into yeah. the environment. But once they get that under under control, then uh, yes, the, then Mars will be a site of some type of uh, interplanetary Burning Man. One hundred percent. I feel 100%. like you should go. You know who goes to Burning Man, or at least they did before they. I don't. Well, maybe they'll go again. Is uh, Natasha and Moshe go to I Burning Man? I think I saw them on Instagram yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, and I think they bring their baby. Oh, they do bring the baby to Burning Man. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. I don't know if uh, I. We had a babysitter who went. You should just go artist. one time. I feel like just one time. There's a lot of things I want to do, but it's like the balance of I don't want to be gone. You know, like like I always say this. People are like, can you come and do this benefit show? I'm like, I you know, if I'm leaving my wife with five children, right? I have to be doing something where I'm making money to pay for the five kids. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I have to like, you know, that's where it's like every trip is kind of like my wife and I, we don't really go on kind of like, let's get away from the kids. We're because I travel, we're always bringing our kids. Right. So. Yeah. You can't, you certainly don't want to be off in burning man. And yeah. Your wife's like two of the kids are sick and I don't feel great. And you're like, I'm sorry, I can't talk. Reception's bad. And I, 
I just shit in a cactus. Like, right. You, you yeah. want to you want to be able to. Do you know what I mean? I'm walking through an ice house in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> We're go- my wife and I are going to go you stay should. in an igloo somewhere somewhere where you can see the nor- the northern lights. Yeah, you know, it's like. Just go to like Norway or something, or yeah, and then like even the gl- everything's out of ice, right? The yeah. glass, yep, the blankets, the all blankets. Of the ice. <laughs> but it's like, I guess why not, right? I mean, just to say that, I guess it's just for the experience. Well, it's like eventually, it. probably in our lifetime, people will just go to space to say that they went to space, right? Yeah, because you know maybe there won't be any ice left, <laughs> <in the laughs> right? <world>. Because <laughs> they have to go up there to live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where are where are your next? Where's your next? Uh, when are you? I imagine you're already probably writing the next special. Yes. When is the? When are you shooting that? And when? What when, when are the next dates? You know, it's it's never. Uh, How do you know when you're ready? Do you pick the date and then go, I'm just going to hit that target? Or do you get to a certain point where you tell our, our manager, Alex, yeah. uh, all right, I'm ready. Let's kind of do the final run to shoot the thing. Well, some of it is I never want to do a show in a town or a city where it's not 50 minutes of new material. Right. So that keeps the machine going. And... um but some of it is the special. It's like, and then like working in international shows, you know, I, you know, like, so I'm doing this show in Athens. It'll probably be like 600 people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'll do, I'm doing uh, an Asian tour next March, you yeah. know, where it's like, you know, I don't know how many tickets I'm going to sell in Seoul, right. you know, but I want to go to Seoul. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like the, it's, some of it is disrupting the whole typical touring thing because I would and then I do movies so it's like to answer your question it's like I don't know I'm thinking March but in the end a special has to be special that's right that's what people forget and sort of in the and I think it's good for comedy that there's a new hour special that's on television every week now it's good because it reminds people that comedy is a thing but it also in a way is like Oh, but, you know, it's special, you know, it's like, it's... See, but that's, it's, you know, like, when I started stand-up, there was definitely this, you know, you you look back, you know, it's a Jewish-American art form, right? So you look back, and, like, there was Mark Twain, then it was, like, vaudeville and all this stuff, and, and, you know, Zigfield Follies and all this stuff. But, like, there was this thing of... You develop 15 minutes and you do that for the rest of your life. Right. And then you develop an hour and you do that for the rest of your life. And But now in this day and age, it's ongoing. So I, I think that like the traditional notion of a special, it is true that it is, you know, uh, only special if it's special – and so some of it is seeking creative fulfillment. Do you ever get to a point where you're like, yeah, maybe I'm just out of jokes? Or do you you you, you have enough oh, faith yeah. in the process? Well, there's definitely moments where I, you know, when I was done with Cinco, I was like, that that might be it. <laughs> and uh, and then luckily my wife had a brain tumor. No, but <laughs> but. No, there's different. She would have laughed at that, folks. Yeah, she would have. She would have laughed at. But that. there's different. Uh, that you know, some of it is you gain these tools, and you you know, it's like, you know, like I'm sure when you were 
you know, doing Talking Dead, and then you did, uh, you know, the AMC was like, can you do it for this? Yeah. And you were like, well, it's kind of designed for this, but yeah, I guess right. it's like the 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 skill set moves to different topics. Sure, sure, sure. And and obviously it evolves, you know, like and as comedians we put assignments on ourselves like I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to uh you know, you know, there's a moment where you're like I'm going to challenge my audience. I'm going to bring you know like even in different specials I'm like all right, you know, I'm going to make or attempt to make cancer funny or I'm going to attempt to make this funny. Well, sometimes comics will do stuff before shows or go, work the word avocado into your set. Yeah, yeah. It's like, those are the fun kind of low stakes, yeah. you know. Well, some of it is the environment or if you're innocent. That's what's so great about international shows is, so I'm in Athens or I'm in, you know, Bangkok. I got to come up with some material, you know, even if they're all expats in the audience, that's... We're in our environment, whether it be Bangkok or Hong Kong. Well, your or comedy machine is is like so in place that it's sort of like a hay baler in a way. You can throw a bunch of stuff in, and you know that like something's going to come out. Hopefully, because yeah. you've been doing it for so long. So coming in 2019, Jim Gaffigan on ice, on which ice. I do believe is a good name for a comedy special. That is a good. And you could come out at the beginning and just say, "Are you guys disappointed?" <laughs> It's just a stage. And then you do your 10 minutes on on, on the On Ice shows. That's so funny. I mean, It's a good idea. I'm, I'm telling you. I think you should use it because it's your idea. <laughs> I, I, don't know if it fits my, I don't know if it fits my comedy character. Chris Hardwick on Ice. Then, then I'm going to be like, isn't it dumb when – isn't it crazy when people do shows on ice? And then the ice show community is going to be like, you piece of shit. How dare How you? How dare you take away our livelihoods? This ice is our earth. This ice is everything. And, and then even and, hockey people And it's people all melting like, away. Then all ice communities will get... <laughs> and then even, like, the uh, Border Patrol agents ice will be like, you're anti-ice. And then Ice Cube, Ice and Team, then Vanilla Isis, Ice. ISIS will, will even all be... Of them... <laughs> you don't want to offend ISIS. <laughs> no, you don't want to... <laughs> They're not a great audience. And then people are like, oh, he only likes warm drinks. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. Then then that's a whole other thing. So then you're upsetting the refrigeration community. And then you can use the term kerfuffle. <laughs> Finally, I caused a kerfuffle. <laughs> I wish, rather than rather than seeing the word outrage in the news all the time, really funny, Jim Gaffigan creates kerfuffle in They never use community. kerfuffle no. in headlines. Because no. I guess people are like, that's just not even But now word. they should because the word outrage is used so much that it just disappears. They should use kerfuffle. Someone needs to pioneer kerfuffle. Kerfuffle, feel, right? Yeah. Jim Gaffigan, kerfuffle. <laughs> The president that would be a good name for a special kerfuffle. Kerfuffle is a great title. That's a great title for a special. All right, good. You you have we we've got some assignments. Um, I really appreciate that you came in to do the podcast. I adore you, and um, you know, obviously, just such a huge fan of your work as well as as being your pal. So uh, you know, are you performing tonight? I, I I don't know as of yet. Hopefully. I think I have a parent-teacher. Oh, it's there's f- always school stuff. So you, oh, but you'll just drop in if you have time to go somewhere. Hopefully, if there's a show that you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not thrilled about bumping people, and so like there's certain situations where it's not a big deal if I bump, but if it's a scheduled show for a festival, I don't want to go it in there. A it creates a kerfuffle. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Kerfuffle on ice.
All right, Jim Gaffigan, thank you for being here. Thank you. Enjoy your kerfuffle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You've just listened to the Jim Gaffigan episode of the ID10T podcast number 983. It is time for Ending Word Salad. Until I can come up with a less clunky name, Ending Word Salad. EWS. Ews. I don't know if I like that. But, you know, from time to time, I might uh, feel inspired to, to prattle on long after you thought you were, <laughs> you were done. But, uh, you know, it's something that we talk a lot about in the podcast with Gaffigan is, is, is reactivity, being reactive. And it's so easy to be reactive. Uh, and, it, and it feels like so much of our, of our digital lives are basically just uh, a direct line from our emotional brain right to the Internet and and maybe it's not maybe it has nothing to do with the internet too. We can certainly be reactive reactive in life. Someone cuts you off in traffic, someone cuts you off in line, something happens out in the real world, you know, some someone uh, screws you over at work or something like you know, you want to immediately be reactive. You immediately want to uh you immediately want to, you know, jump down someone's throat uh either in real life or or, or on the internet. And, uh, it, but the thing is reactivity really is a choice. I think, I think it's a choice. A lot of people think it's a choice. Um, if you've ever heard of Viktor Frankl, he was an incredible, he was an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor and, uh, and, and just an incredible thinker. And a lot of motivational stuff will probably refer you to his book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he has a really amazing, uh, quote. Well, he has a lot of really amazing quotes, but there's, there's one sort of fundamental idea and it sort of revolves around, you know, how we can choose how we react to things, how we, we can't control, like we've heard this a lot on the podcast, you can't control the external world, you can choose how you react to things. And there's a very, very simple quote um, that is beautiful, which is, between stimulus and response, there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response. Isn't that isn't that just beautiful and simplistic? We never think about space. We just think about something happening and bam, we react. It's like reflexive, but it doesn't have to be reflexive. It doesn't have to be, you know, your emotions don't have to be like getting tapped on the knee with a rubber mallet when you're getting a physical and your knee just jerking. You, you, don't, you don't have to be knee jerky, all right? You do, you do have the power. Obviously, again, horrible things happen in life sometimes and people, you, you're, you're going to be human. You're going to have human moments you know, but in as much as you can, why not try to cut back on the number of those moments? Because when you start to choose how you respond to stuff, then you really do feel more empowered. You know, when you feel that space, when you feel that distance between yourself and your reactive self, like, you know, there's a, a, a sort of an extension of this idea is another quote, which I've been trying to find the source of a lot of people have said it. Um, and I can't really, I think it's also been falsely attributed to Buddha. Uh, I know that, uh, Murakami has said it. Uh, I know a lot, a lot it's just, a, it's a quote a lot of people have said, but the gist of it is pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. 
Isn't that a crazy idea in a good way? I just wanted to offer the options, the the options that are available to you as you uh, traverse this sort of <laughs> this this weird uh, matrix of life that we all experience together, uh, and and let you feel like you're maybe a little more in control of things than you think you are. Again, you can't uh, you can't control events. You can't control what happens to you in traffic, but you can re- you can control how you respond to what happens to you in traffic and how long you're going to make yourself suffer about what happens to you in traffic. So just go with the flow of traffic. <laughs> live, live, move with life, you know, move with it. You can't move against it for too long. It's just gonna create discomfort. So try to learn from this stuff, you know, and, uh, and you'll be okay. You can do this. I believe in you. I believe that if you, if you at least shave down a percentage of your automatic reactivity, just a percentage of it, you don't even have to change all of it, but just a percentage of it, uh, you will already be way better off. The sort of butterfly effect of that rippling through the, the other corners of your life, I think will be dramatic that you will feel over time. So uh, that's it. Thank you for listening to Ending Word Salad. I appreciate you. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, evening, middle of the night, whenever it is that, uh, that you're listening to this. That's been Ending Word Salad. I will talk at you next week. ID 10 scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.